the creatives and the curious. My name is Pendo, and welcome to 12 Point Font, my novel writing podcast where I answer questions, conduct interviews, give advice, point out resources, gush over my favorite books, writers, and, well, things, and then just generally babble as I muddle my way through the world of words. Today is episode 39, and we will be covering the basics of business writing. But first, the idiomatic expression for today comes from Greece, and it is to eat someone's ears. So to find out what that means, go ahead and put your Google machine right away and just stick around till the end of the show, where I will have masterfully crafted for you a writing prompt to go along with that idiom. Okay, we have got a lot to talk about. There's the uh, impromptu hiatus and what's going on with episode 40 in NaNoWriMo in season two, but let's go ahead and do housekeeping at the end of the main portion of the episode and just dive right now right into business writing. So, business writing, the basics. Number one is audience. Audience is queen. Number two, message clarity. What you say must make sense. And number three is timing. When you say things matters. These three things are the major premises of business writing. The message itself is subordinate to these three. The best example of marrying these three ideas is with bad news. See, with a good news business letter or article, you're probably going to want to break into it early, get straight to the point, and keep all the extraneous messages brief. However, bad news tends to negatively affect different people different ways. So, for the sake of the podcast, here's the example of bad news business writing that we are going to be utilizing. Here is your premise. Let's say you work for a transportation company. You're the head of a department, and you are supposed to have a new subway lineup by the end of 2019, but it is the end of October, and you are absolutely not going to make it. You've been rerouting passenger traffic for months, taking resources from other projects, and just trying to appease your boss, who is starting to doubt your work. Then, someone down the line makes a rookie mistake, and now you have to do damage control. Get a new budget approved, and let go of some incompetent employees in a way where they won't retaliate. Plus, you're going to need some more time. See, in this scenario, we can say that you have at least three separate audiences you have to communicate with, with the exact same core message. Construction will take more time. Here's the issue. This is a huge inconvenience for all the people involved. In the case of the employee being let go, it might be life-altering. So how do you handle it? Number one, start and end with message clarity. Write down what needs to be said to each party in the clearest language you can. In episode 35, we talked about subject-verb-object statements. It's best to stick to those in business writing. It's easier to do this if you create a sort of list for yourself about what needs to be said. For example, in the message to your boss, you might list that A. Construction will be delayed. B. You're going to need new contractors. C. An explanation of what went wrong. And D the promise of an audit, and a performance review. See, by spelling things out for yourself, you can begin to plan what you need to say. Once you know what you need to say, it's time for timing. Number two, timing. Here, you decide where your ideas should go. With bad news writing, you don't want to assault the audience with terrible news. Depending on your audience, you'll want to consider where to put the bad news carefully. As a general rule of thumb, break the news closer to the middle of the beginning. 
Obviously, for your boss, you're probably going to want to break the news faster. Their time is precious, and the subject line or report title should have already given away some of what you're saying. But they're the person who is going to help you fix this mess. So begin with a brief update and then hit them with the delays. Explanations and excuses always come after the point. I wouldn't recommend beginning a bad news missive with an excuse when the fault is yours. It comes off as disingenuous. This is just unfortunate human psychology. People who are over the top with their excuses and distractions appear to us as disingenuous and unable to accept responsibility. It's just a bad look. Of course, this is different if someone else is at fault, but in this specific example, even though it was an employee, you're still in charge, so the onus is on you. Respect that. This is the same with good news. People who pat themselves on the back too much come off as arrogant and self-important. Also not cute. So, timing. Begin with the subject, break into the bad news, and with apologies and what you're going to do to fix it. For example, if you have to write a letter to the passengers explaining their delays and the continued transit mayhem, begin with something like, Dear Word Train Passengers, As you know, Word Transit Incorporated has been undergoing an extensive expansion project that will improve Thing A, Thing B, and Thing C. Due to unforeseen circumstances, the project finish date will be delayed to some month 2020. Here's what this means for you. Of course, all this information that you put into the missive will have been outlined previously when you were working on the message clarity section and listing the information that you want to go inside the missive. There are a few times you won't want to reveal the main message, the thesis, if you will, of your business communication closer to the beginning of your missive. I say few, though the only examples I've actually encountered with any regularity are a letting someone go or a death or an illness, as in you're a doctor or you work in a care home to a family member. These are still professional documents, but because I am not a clinician, we're going to go ahead and stick to talking about business communication that we might more regularly encounter, because bereavement and death missives simply aren't in my wheelhouse yet. Not that being let go wouldn't induce a sense of bereavement. Anyways, for letting someone go, you're going to want to use the compliment sandwich method. It's not necessarily a compliment sandwich. I'm sure many of us in the West, probably millennials and Gen Z, will be familiar with the compliment sandwich. If you're not, the basic premise is that you sandwich constructive criticism in constructive praise. For example, you write really good prose, though you could stand to strengthen your dialogue. But overall, the imagery is nice. See? Compliment. Criticism. Compliment. In a business setting, it's not so much a compliment sandwich as an empathic rationality burrito. You kind of want to be kind and considerate where you can, but you also need to be clear and to the point. This sucks, so don't drag it out. When letting someone go, you'll want to begin by pointing out some of the good qualities and appreciation of things done well. If they were a lazy, obsequious, backstabbing, credit-stealing, incompetent oaf, make it up from the truth. We appreciate how tenacious you are. See, the purpose isn't to kiss their keister, it's to prevent retaliation. You don't want to find yourself the victim of arson because you called Becky out on her BS or told Sam to stuff it. Instead, you begin with the good and the reasonable. Dear Rebecca, here at Word Transit, we appreciate all of the work you've done on the Word Train project. You are very innovative with the construction details, and we appreciate your creativity and willingness to take risks. Unfortunately, not all of these risks have panned out. So, after much deliberation, we must let you go. 
Now you've hit her with the bad news. Give her some closure. Due to this, this, and this, we were forced to X, Y, and Z. Despite our attempts to clarify A, B, and C, it appears that communication has been ineffective, and thus we believe that you would be better served in an environment that better suits your communication style. Try and keep the actual excuse here away from blame, but don't lie. Most people aren't BS Becky. Most people are probational Rebecca. And sometimes it's just that the culture isn't working. Communication has broken down, or like in our case, they took a risk that really backfired. Okay, now the bad news is out there and we've softened it with some closure and honesty. It's time to close up this bad news burrito with the what comes next. This should have been outlined in your message clarity section when you were doing, well, the clarity outline. See, this is where you outline the repercussions of the bad news. For your message to your boss, you might want to tell them what you need to fix the problem and what the game plan and new timeline looks like. For the customer message, this might include what they should expect for the new deadlines and a projected timeline. For the employee, this might be what kind of a severance package and professional guidance might be afforded to them, how long they'll get to keep their insurance, and some resources and references for finding a new job. Remember, It's about the audience, and despite the news itself being the same, the way it's said and the information provided will be different for different people. So why does the compliment sandwich, or in this case the bad news burrito, work? Psychologically, it's kind of brilliant. You'd be surprised how rare compliments are. Think about the last time somebody who wasn't your immediate family or someone who loved you gave you some positive, constructive feedback. Honestly, when was the last time someone who loves you praised you for something you've done or for something you are? Oh, honey, I love that you walk the dog without me asking you. Mom, thanks for waking us up when the alarm doesn't go off. Hey, bud, you're always so nice for answering my late night texts. Getting a compliment is like gold. Most adults don't receive praise often, and making someone feel nice about themselves predisposes them to liking you. When we feel like someone appreciates us, we're less inclined to retaliate against them, and we won't hold feelings of resentment nearly as long. It's irrational, but effective. So, once we kinda got a timing down, it's time to fine-tune. A business writing basic number three, audience. You should, of course, be thinking about audience the entire time you're writing. I mean, we've already established that you're not going to be telling your customers the same thing you're telling your boss or your employees. Your timing should be attuned to your audience as well. But one of the most important things you should be thinking about now is what kind of language you're using. Audience matters. You'll be more deferential with your superiors and more authoritative with your subordinates. If you have a personal relationship with a superior, your language might be less formal. If you're working with family, you might be less honest or more honest, depending. If you're speaking to a regular customer or a customer you have a relationship with, you'll adjust your language, you know? You might express annoyance with the higher-ups, a kind of what-can-you-do attitude. But if they're just a random passerby, you might explain the situation and express solidarity with the company. You know, follow the script. We already do this unconsciously in life. We speak to children and puppies differently than, you know, adults. We talk to our mom differently than we talk to our siblings or cousins or friends. We use different language with different people, and this is especially obvious in a business environment. 
We'll talk about discourse communities in a future episode, but the main idea is that different people use different language. You often have a specific kind of dialogue that your boss will understand, but, you know, an occupational specific language that they might not. Let's look at our example. If you are, say, the project leader as an architect, you might not talk to your boss using architectural jargon. You might just say that, you know, the foundation was unstable or that the structure wasn't sound and that that's what delayed the project. You wouldn't go into the physics or the aerodynamics because that's just not jargon your boss is familiar with. Then when you're talking to the passenger, well, frankly, they're not interested really in what caused the delay or how to fix the issue. What they want to know is how long they're going to be inconvenienced for. Remember, audience reigns supreme. Okay, so we've considered the message and its clarity, we've considered the timing, and we've considered the audience. It's time to go back in for clarity. In episode 35, we talked about clarity in language, and I highly recommend checking out that episode. But if you can't be bothered or you're not interested, I would recommend checking out Bizup and Williams' book, Style the Basics of Clarity and Grace if you haven't already. But we'll be speaking more about clarity in the future, so have no fear. I digress. At this point, you probably have the first draft of the missive done. Now it's time to cut and prune and tailor your correspondence to the circumstance. Pro tip, you want to be concise. No long trailing sentences. This isn't fiction. You're not describing the cracks like charcoal vines in the crumbling tunnel wall. You're not telling the employee that your heart beats with a sorrowful rain at the prospect of letting them go. You're not telling your boss that you feel like there's an arrow through your soul and that you'll work ever more to earn their trust again. No, that is not business writing. So, a quick shortcut to clarity. Think brevity and tactfulness. And that's really what the three basic rules of business writing are about. Of course, you should consider the audience, timing and message clarity in all your writing. But writing for business is one of the few times you don't really get to choose your audience. Even when you're freelancing, you have clients you might need to consider. When you're in the office, you might have to send off a bunch of emails in a day. If you're quitting a job or asking for a raise, those people are set. Even when you're in the trenches trying to get a writing agent or sending a query letter, you aren't choosing your audience. You're writing for someone, often in a style that's been laid out for you in a style guide. So, hopefully this podcast will help you write a little bit more easily. Okay, before we get into what happened to me, where did I go, and what is happening now, let us begin with my book recommendation. Today, in honor of this business writing episode, I am recommending The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Working solo, working corporate, or wanting to enter the work market, this book has had applications above and beyond simply how to do less work. And it's not really about that either. It's more a practical guide to getting more of what you want out of life. The world is so big and the internet is so powerful and time is just so precious. If you're stuck, if you're just stuck, this book might help you out. Even if you're working in a field where the four-hour work week may not be practically plausible, a lot of the book is about mindset and goal-making and, yes, some business communication. So, if you're looking for a good, practical, businessy business book, this might be the one for you. All right, the hiatus. This episode is getting kind of long, so I'm going to make this as unintrusive to the narrative as I can. 
I took the summer off. I'm just going to be entirely honest. Why didn't I say something? Well, because I wasn't planning on a hiatus. It wasn't until I stopped for a second that I realized how hard I'd been running and I just couldn't push on empty any longer. Then it was right back into the fray with moving across the country and work and all kinds of fun, boring adulting. So my point is that we are back now. We are here and this will be bi-weekly as of November 1st, which should be tomorrow depending on when you're listening to the episode. Which means that my next episode will be my next official NaNoWriMo episode and the first official episode of season two. We will be doing some nano openers, a nano Q&A, updates, and a lot less stress than last year. Then, heading into December, I thought we could dive headfirst into poetry. I hope you're ready because the Zonnet train is leaving the station. Don't worry, don't worry. I promise it'll be fun. So... That being said, that is all I have got for you. If you want more, come on over and hang out with me on Instagram or Twitter at Pendaland or check out my website, Pendaland.com. If you are not yet tired of my voice, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you are on. If you have any questions or comments you want me to read on the show, send them on over by email to 12pointfont at gmail.com. That's 12PTFT at gmail.com or tag me on social media with the hashtag 12pointfont, just like the show title. Of course, all this and anything I talked about in the show will be linked in the show notes as well. Also, if you have a second, please give this a good rating on whichever podcast host you're using. It just helps a lot with visibility. The intro and outro for the podcast this episode is Princess by Ramzoid. No, this will not be the theme song for season two, but this episode just felt, I don't know, special. So it got its own song. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. It is now time for the idiomatic expression of the day. Today's was to eat someone's ears. Its English equivalent is something like, you talked my ear off. It's a way of addressing someone who has a penchant for innocuous chatter, let's say. So, for your writing prompt today, I want you to go ahead and write a scene that is entirely dialogue between two of your characters, where one character is a superior and the other character is a subordinate. Think Plato's Phaedrus if you're looking for a style guide on dialogue. Just character A, character B. Want a bit of a challenge? Write it so that the subordinate character is giving their superior bad news. This has been 12 Point Font reminding you to stay creative, stay curious, and stay writing. Until next time, that is goodbye. Goodbye.